welcome everybody to this week's Dev Central Connects. My name is Boo, one of your community evangelists on the F5 Dev Central team, and this week I am your host here. Um, we have on exciting guest today, Eric Wright. He is from uh, Disco Posky Podcast, folks may know him from, and he's also uh, Chief Content Officer at GTM Delta. We can chat about what his uh, latest endeavor is as well. Um, but before we bring on Eric, and we're going to be talking about modernizing ops, so that should be an interesting conversation. Um, I just have a couple of things that I want to review with some folks. Um, first of all, if you are catching us right now from uh, LinkedIn or Facebook or YouTube, uh, please hit subscribe if you haven't already. If you've just discovered us, we'd love for you to follow along with what we're doing. Hit like if possible. Um, right now, you're not watching us from the Dev Central Twitter because something is wrong and they think our account should be suspended right now. If you know anybody at Twitter, would love if you can get in touch with them and say, hey, you know what? At Dev Central is a valid account. Please unsuspend them. Um, that would be very fantastic if you can get that fixed for us, if anybody knows how to do that. Uh, we're working with uh, Twitter right now uh, to get that sorted out, but that's a little bit of a plea for anybody who's got any hookups there. Otherwise, I just wanted to also highlight community events that are happening right now. So if you head over to community.f5.com, uh, that is the Dev Central website, and that is what we're in support of. And if you go on, over the top nav bar, there's actually an events section on there. There's an events tab on there, and you go over there, there's a calendar on there. And one of the events that I want to highlight on there. There's a number of events that you can check out. It will say whether or not it is a worldwide event or if it's kind of focused on a certain region. There is one that is focused on North America, and this is the F5 2023 Public Sector Symposium. Happens every year. They have a great turnout for this. It is meant for public sector, say federal government and, and whatnot, that type of thing. It's in uh, Tyson's Corner, Virginia, March 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Um, there's a virtual part of it happening on March 21st. So head over on to community.f5.com, head over to the events. You can have all of the information on there around the signup. Um, if you are attending in person, there's lots of ability to actually go through uh, training for your F5 certifications and go through uh, certifications on site there as well. So if you have been preparing for your F5 certifications, you got about an, a month or so to kind of wrap up any loose ends on any of your studies and you can head over to this uh, event there and write your exam. So um, we'd love to uh, we'd love to see a lot of folks out there attending that. We have great speakers. Uh, Francois, our CEO, is going to be there. Kara Sprague uh, is going to be there. Um, lots of other folks as well. So uh, with all of that being said, we'd love to bring on our guest at this point, Mr. Eric Wright, how you doing? Welcome. Uh, thank you very much, Boo, for, for letting me join the uh, the the show. I was trying. We always say, "I'm like, is it podcast? Is it webinar? Is it show?" I just say show. I call everything a show. Yeah. So it's uh, which is bad because I used to do webinars, and sometimes you would do it and be like, "Hey, thanks for joining the show," and people are like. I think it's a webinar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just kind of melded together at this point. And when you say like everything is like, because we take this and it's a, it's a live stream, but we take this and we repurpose it as a podcast as well. And then we also repurpose it and we take clips out of it and post the videos, video clips into all the social media as well. And so I don't know what it is, what is it anymore? It's just a bunch of media that we, we talk about stuff and showcase technology, I guess. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me join the content opportunity. We'll call that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good call. Eric, for folks who don't know you at this point, I'm, uh, I'm sure a lot of our viewers and listeners uh, do know you, but maybe you can give us a, a little bit of an intro on yourself. I always say there's 7 billion people in the world. So statistically, nobody knows about me. And I, it's a, <laughs> anybody I meet is a, is a bonus. So uh, my name is Eric Wright. I'm easily found as at Disco Posse everywhere. That's kind of a, the most popular way to find me on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, search for Disco Posse. Uh, I am the chief uh, content officer and co-founder of a company called GTM Delta. We do really cool stuff around technology and technical marketing for uh, for various startups and, and enterprise organizations. So that's been pretty fun. Uh, former IBMer, former Turbonomicer, uh, former uh, systems architect, and uh, lover of artisanal coffee and commoditized infrastructure. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. You have your own line of coffee as well, I believe. That's the, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm constantly a walking advertisement. I'm either wearing, you know, GTM Delta gear or diabolical <laughs> coffee. So, yeah, I, uh, I do a few nice. things, which is fun. Awesome. Check it out. Uh, discount code Dev Central for some sort of discount, probably. We'll make that happen. We'll make that happen. <laughs> we can do it. Um, all right. So today we are actually going to be talking about modernizing ops, people and processes. Um, so you came to me with uh, this idea for a topic. So let's have at it. You know, what what kind of uh, what do we want to cover today? I think the the most hotly discussed topic right now, especially on the content side of the world, is around chat GPT. And ultimately that introduces the idea of AI and, and this whole thing of a really strong focus towards you know, the automation through technology and software of human processes. And when it comes to the ops side, it's been this really interesting thing of the ops personas, like the ops personalities, they tend to be dragged sort of kicking and screaming forward into what's next. This whole idea that Every ops person needs to learn to code, otherwise they're 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 heading towards you know T Rex land. And I just I've never believed it because that was such a an awful barrier to place on people who are not coders by nature necessarily. They may be able to do code, but their a developer mindset is fundamentally different than an operations person and. I, I really saw a lot of people, myself included, struggling with this idea that, you know, if code's going to replace me, then then what do I do? And realizing there are sort of a lot of artisanal things that we still must do. However, you can't hang on to that uh, else like the uh, T-Rex, those poor little short arms. You're going to be ending up on the wrong side of the ice age. But it's it's a good amount of time away. Everything seems like that until something comes along and you know, like ChatGPT will make us suddenly go, oh, wait, is this the next generation? Absolutely. You And you kind of see this too with, I just saw this uh, plugin from Amazon for VS Code and you could just, I think you just put in a hashtag and you like within the code, you put in a hashtag, you describe the block of code that you want to write. And then it just blurp, creates yeah. this thing inside of the text uh, page that you already had. It is amazing to see what we've got available to us. And that's why I think as, as an ops, you know, as a human, uh, it is important for us to think about what do we want to achieve in the coming five years. And this is a chance for us to say, like, do we want to move towards cloud, move towards containerization? 
but there has to be a move towards, there has to be a thing that you're leaning into because otherwise what will happen is it's going to get dropped on you. And that's really the biggest concern is that ops are getting handed things that are already running somewhere else. And that's a huge risk to the organization, to them personally, and ultimately just the practice of ops. We went through this whole phase of no ops, right? And I say like with, almost with like this visceral anger because it was born of that, right? This idea that like get ops out of the way, but that's, that just doesn't exist because in the end, the no ops, the thesis was that we just want to push code to production. Goes from idea to code to production, you know, maybe a prototype in between. But then what happens, right? Okay, what happens on day two? Good luck and may your God go with you. You know, <laughs> hopefully it keeps running. That so there there has to be an ops. There has to be somebody to go back or something to go back. And that thing is going to be built based on processes that exist today. And how do we systematize them so that we can reflect what humans are doing right now in what software will do going forward? Because just like AI and machine learning. It's based on what exists already. It's not doing new things. It's mashing together many existing implementations and trying to find the optimal way to do it. But it still requires something to exist in the beginning. So this is our chance as the as the the meatware in in the whole deployment lifecycle of doing something that reflects what we are doing in process and then learn how it's being automated and get bloody excited about it, right? Because that's, for me, it was always like, I'm, I'm excited about making sure that I can be in front of the thing that's coming and rather than, you know, hear that it's being handed down yeah. and my job's gone. Yeah. And really when you're me coming from the sales side of F5, being in sales for, was in sales for 10 years, we simplified things. But when we simplified things that, you know, when we were trying to sell a product or something to someone, that solution was meant to provide business value. And so, yes, whatever we're doing, maybe this is, uh, maybe this was someone's job or maybe this was a product or set of products that people were working on and, Hey, we've simplified it. We've consolidated it. We're going to save so much of your time. Well, the whole point of that was that then your time is freed up so you can add value to the business. Like, yeah, right. stop clicking, doing all the clicks. Maybe it's automation, maybe it's something else, but stop doing all those things because not just to, so you sit there and twiddle your thumbs, like you as a person should be adding value to your business somehow. And you clicking things isn't necessarily adding all of the value. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you perceive your value at that point in keeping the lights on and that's, that is a job, but you can add way more value to the company. If you can figure out now that I'm done that, the next thing that I work on is actually enhancing revenue or adding a new revenue stream that we never would have had if you didn't have that extra eight hours that week. Or architecting the thing that you're creating based on a set of knowledge that's combined from operations and the business, right? That idea of like, and and that goes to your point of like, do something with the time you've got available to you that you didn't have before, because that's it. Like you design a new network, like a network won't design itself. A An implementation of some kind of like multi-layer application network, it's not just going to spin up. Like it, there has to be something that we're reflecting and systematizing. The, the process has to begin with a working implementation. From there, you can systematize it. So today it has to be done and you have to test that. You test it, you script it, you automate it, then you push it out. But 
then when it has troubleshooting, there's still very human interactions required because even if the implementation is fully automated, what if it just goes sideways? And during that design phase is when you discover that you're now designing the understanding of failure domains. You know, where are the, the faults potentially going to occur? You get business continuity. You can automate business continuity, but you're automating an understanding of the flow of tasks, importance, everything. You have to set that priority. Then you can codify it. But it always begins with a, a real process that exists. And like you know, my, my favorite saying, I should get a T-shirt for this, is show me a successful spanning tree implementation and I'll show you a network that's gone down the last three weekends in a row while they tried it out. It's <laughs> stuff will go perfectly in theory. And I think it's Einstein that said it. In theory, everything works in practice, but in practice, it doesn't. Yeah, that's... Uh, I. Spanning tree brings back uh, awful, <laughs> dark, awful memories. dark memories. PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, spanning tree is yeah. That's something everyone should go through, though. That's uh, that's an important uh, network operations lesson uh, to be learned. Uh, hopefully, early in your career, and maybe in a lab environment, but uh, most often in production. Yeah, it, and people that create these processes and the software and the automation, ultimately, a lot of times they bring previous knowledge. There is that question of what if someone comes in that's brand new, right? That whole like old man yelling at clouds, right? I, I Now I'm the old man yelling at the cloud because I could say like I saw a mainframe to distributed, distributed to, you know, centralized hub spoke technology. The idea of moving from, you know, different network topologies you know, moving to L4 to L7, you know, being the most important layers in the stack as far as the way we did routing and, and, and application awareness. And then now being able to automate all of those things. Like I saw the evolution of it and it helps me to make really easy decisions and quickly adopt new things. But if someone comes with no history that didn't understand what a, you know, a dumb terminal is or a non-intelligent terminal, right? A, a vampire tap, all these mm-hmm. weird old things that I, that I saw the end of, as I saw the beginning of my career, what's the, I am now the end of the thing for someone else's new career. So how do I impart lived experience to somebody who has, has not, you know, had to stand up a physical server install vSphere, you know, install, you know, Citrix, MetaFrame and all these things. Like how do we, cause they just don't, they just know. I just go to the Amazon site and I deploy a system, but then what they're going to do is yeah. they're going to make decisions for ease of operations that have a great impact to the business around cost. Abstracting complexity doesn't abstract the problem. It hides the problem. That's a big, big risk, you know, that you're just deploying mm-hmm. all the stuff out there. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to put it on Fargate. I'm going to put it on whatever. And like, oh, that sounds great. You know, that's just like saying hockey is as easy as, oh, all you got to do is just go down, skate, and and put the puck in the other person's net more than they do in your net. It's just that easy. That's Fargate. Sounds easy. Okay, now do it. (laughs) I'm just trying to imagine like people that have not gone through installation of uh, vSphere, vCenter, uh, and built up the infrastructure before, but I, I guess there's going to be a generation that, well, I guess there is a generation now that hasn't gone through that. And I'm thinking of Kubernetes as well, like people that haven't gone through installing Kubernetes from scratch necessarily, right? and they can just jump on EKS, uh, AKS, 
and they have Kubernetes right in front of them, ready to go without feeling that pain. Yeah, there's there's a huge win. Like there's so much amazing stuff that's that's come to us now that's unlocking potential to do more stuff that's of value to the business, right? Let's just get the application up and running. I shouldn't have to care as hard about the bits and bytes and the install processes. And I mean, I went through that with OpenStack. Every time a new release would come out, mm-hmm. I would run the manual install from zero to completion, step by step to check the docs, contribute back to the docs and like, finds the 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 hooks and the barriers but then it became a matter of like oh do you build from code or do you build from packages do you use a distribution so even when we come to kubernetes and people say oh well, kubernetes is going to get rid of all of your you know your goofy meatware and all your your craziness i'm like but what does kubernetes run on well it runs on the cloud well you still have to set up the account you have to the level of security that is now intrinsic to the safety of the organization and intrinsic to the operation of that infrastructure, you're not just going to willy-nilly just hand it out. If you ever try and deploy Fargate, the the template for your your IAM configuration is disturbing. It's And it should be. It's a very complex set of tools that are coming together. So that in itself is like, even though it's the easy button on the other side, there's a lot of, you still have to build the easy button. Well, especially when it comes to credentials. Like I'm just, there was just an article that I skimmed past this morning where there was a, was it an FBI mail server that was out there without a password on it? Oopsie doodle. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, when, you know, when it comes to credential credentials for some of these things, you know, that's a, I would think auditors are getting paid twice as much or three times as much these days to go through some of the applications that are out there uh, and dissect uh, who has access to what. Yeah. And that's why I think the operations as a function is evolving and it's, it's our Mm -hmm. responsibility to take control of that evolution for ourselves and for the business. But like I tell everybody that's in tech, be selfish about the future of your career and you will find an organization that loves how selfish you are about growing your future because they will be, they will admire that you're saying, I need to go where the puck is going and I'm going to, going to dabble a bit, you know, or at least just have a keen interest in maintaining what the developers are bringing to you, what the network team is bringing to you, mm-hmm. ultimately what the application owners are bringing to you. When they say, I need to bring in a SaaS platform, like we don't even question it now. I worked in a financial services organization and I, you'd get a knock on the door and be like, Hey, I'm here to install a circuit. I'm like what? <laughs> There's just all these hoops you would jump through. Well, that's it's SAS now it's there. It's immediate, but it doesn't get rid of a lot of those steps that were required to integrate it into security, you know, general operations, life cycle management of, of like, security is probably the most core thing as much as we automate it. You have to have a continuous check. Is it still safe? Is it still safe? Is it still working? Is it working as be, as expected? You get the network. We're going to get into service meshes and all these things around how do you develop an application that's distributed, that's maybe cross availability zone, maybe cross region, maybe cross cloud, maybe hybrid. Like what does that mm-hmm. front end look like? What does layer four to seven look like? It's going to be vastly different depending on each application. And that's where, like, as an ops team, it's you just got to know what are we trying to accomplish? What are the tools that are available to us in order to accomplish that task? What is the most business optimal way to do that? And technically optimal, business first, right? So 
lowest cost, lowest operations, lowest risk, because in the end, we're in the risk business. Like in technology, we're nerds at heart. I say that I know that because I've got my 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 favorite, you know, my tattoo that I always say is, is my my nerd life tattoo, which I can certify there. It was a good Photoshop job. Thanks to my friend Zine. <laughs> but that I love the bits and I'm always excited by that. But in the end, just like a, an amazing developer, they can, you can show, look at this amazing, you know, thing I wrote in Go. And the business owner's like, all right, but does it allow uh, somebody to go go onto the chat on the website? They don't care what it's written in. They don't yeah. care what IM configuration you use. They don't. So we have to care really hard about it so that somebody else doesn't have to. We are doing what the cloud did for us now, right? We are we are the service layer and we will be for quite a long time. Uh, but yeah, don't don't plan on, I'm just going to ride out this whole, you know, this ice age <laughs> thing. Well, it's good. It'll, I'm sure it'll go away fast. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, rubber meets the road. What do you suggest? You had a couple of steps there. What do you suggest that um, somebody's next steps are? They say they, they're, they've got it in their head. I'm going to add more value to the business. I am going to um, take my click ops and I'm going to look at different ways to do this so that I can be, um, you know, in, in better service of others uh, around me. You know, where, where do we go from here? Uh, go wide in, in, two important layers. Number one, go wide within the organization. Go beyond the team that you sit with and have lunch with every day. Like talk to the developers, talk to the network team, talk to the security team. They're not our adversaries. They are people that are trying to achieve a function. And sometimes we all, we slow each other down with processes and change management review boards and such. So, but go wide, understand what they're doing and you'll find yourself learning a lot about what they do. And then you get excited about making their life easier because it makes your life easier because then you're not sort of adversarial in those operations. And plus they may be looking at what's next. What are they researching? So how are they looking ahead? Then the next one that you go wide with is in the broader tech community, right? Look at what you and the team are doing with Dev Central, a common place where community of practice exists, where you can find other people that have, they share your interest, they share your excitement about technology, and they're doing stuff and sharing those experiences, whether it's new tech, whether it's just a story they read, that that peer community is so incredibly valuable. And like local community groups, meetups, now that we're able to do it again in person more, you know, safely, try and get to that. But even just an online community, there's a fantastic set of resources out there to look to your adjacent peer group and just watch what they're doing. And you may find the problem that you've been suffering or the thing you're not sure you should research Somebody may save you a lot of clicks and, and that's, it's out there. And if not, you know, you can find people who have the same questions that you do and then you can kind of all head towards the answer together. Absolutely. Those great words of advice. I, I mean, community is where so many great ideas are born. There's the knowledge sharing from somebody who has experience, who hasn't had the experience with something, but like the ideas that come out of it are amazing. Um, just last week, we have our Dev Central MVP group. And um, there we recognize our top uh, community members within our group. And one of them actually shared amongst the group an amazing idea that he had and put together for something. Um, it's not totally public and, and released yet, but just the ideas that are shared around community and the deeper that you can get into the community and have those bonds. And then you can start sharing stuff that you wouldn't necessarily share completely in public, completely out to, um, say, Twitter in public. But you're in a somewhat of a closed group. Right. And then within those groups, sometimes you have that narrow group 
that you're really tight with and you have that bond with. I love seeing that kind of stuff, that, that interaction that happens with uh, those communities. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we could say the spicy version of what we should have talked to is like ops is dead, you know, good luck. How's it going? <laughs> yeah. you know, that's kind of what we're being told, but we do know in the end that it's, it's ops as it is today is coming to a, a slow, a wind down. Uh, and, and it will wind down and it will be replaced by another ops thing, right? So AI won't replace mm-hmm. us, but we will, it will be working beside us. So just as, as grievous as I want to make it sound, cause it'd be a good hot take on Twitter. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> ops is dead. Your job is over. How's it going? You know, that, that'll be the thing that we said as the leader, you know, put that on Twitter and people are like, what? <laughs> But in the end, I, well, we've here. got it on recording now. I'm clicking that out. <laughs> That's that, it. That, no. is, that is the hot take. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of hot takes, actually, one more thing, uh, Eric, just wanted to take a second to dive into GTM Delta and what you're doing there. Oh, yeah, uh, maybe yeah. you can give us a little bit of a rundown on like what, you, what you've been working on specifically there. Yeah. So uh, we're making sure that uh, AI doesn't replace humans in the world of technical marketing and technical content creation. Uh, my team and I have effectively got this interesting two-sided problem. We've got technology companies that have generally technical problems and technical solutions that are aimed at technical buyers, right? This would be like the F5s of the world, a lot of startups, you know, large enterprise tech organizations. How do they effectively reach practitioners in their own language in, in a meaningful way, right? You can't say, according to you know, some pundit, you know, this is the future of technology. What they want to read is, hey, how do you deploy a, a, a load balancer in Kubernetes? So what we do is we have a massive pool of content contributors that, that we work with them and we apply the best practices of technical product marketing on this, this community content. We pull it together and then we uh, have organizations can use that and they private label it. So they can take the content and it becomes theirs. So it's a great way to either be the technical product marketing team or to augment your existing team. And uh, yeah, it's it's super fun. I'm just taking a decade plus of experience of doing just this and scaling a team and working with uh, Irfan Ahmad, my uh, co-founder, also previous co-founder of Cloud Physics and early VMware and Transmeta, all sorts of exciting history there. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So thank you for asking. Oh, if you want, if awesome, you want to be a content yeah. creator as well, if you are in the F5 community mm-hmm. or in any tech community, you can go to gtmdelta.com forward slash join. And uh, we're, we always looking for freelance content contributors and uh, it's a lot of fun to be a part of the team. We've got educational resources we share as well, so we can help you get better at what you do. Awesome. So freelance is in, you can just go gig by gig and That's grab uh, yeah. what you got. Write what you want, when you want, from wherever you are, and uh, and life is good. Nice. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. We will put up uh, links for how to get in touch with Eric uh, around that as well. Um, and maybe one more thing. We've got like a minute, uh, half a minute left. I just wanted to bring up one news article that we've got. There is the news articles that are listed under community.f5.com. You head over to the groups, and there's a group called Dev Central Connects. You'll see a show uh, thread on there. And one article that I want to bring up here. Amazon mandating return to office for 300,000 corporate staff wanting them to come back three days a week. Uh, We've seen a bunch of this. This isn't the first big company, although maybe it is the biggest company that has done this announcement so far for three days a week. We're talking about ops. 
We're talking about how people add value to the business. Maybe you can get your take, Eric, on how you think this plays into ops. Do people in person in ops add more value when they're in office? Are they getting by without being in office and remote? Yeah. Um, you know, where do we see the intersection? The hybrid workforce and the hybrid workplace, I think, is definitely the the best future. Being 100% remote, while it's fantastic for ease of lifestyle, it does not do well for your own personal growth, nor for that of the team or the organization. I understand the three days a week, I'm actually, that's pretty cool. I, you know, look, I would rather not go to an office every day if I had to, but I also really love when I go and, and I'm among my peers. You know, we had an offsite for our team and it was fantastic. Like we, so much more happens when you're in person, you get the water cooler talk, you get the, you get to go for lunch. You just get to chat idly. No one just like, I'm going to spin up a Zoom and, hey, anybody want to join and just talk about what I had for dinner last night? No, you just, you look over the desk and you're like, hey, boo, check it out. I found this really cool restaurant over in Gastown uh, that I went to last night. Like that camaraderie is built in person. However, we should recognize that we need to have that, you know, 50-50 or, you know, you know so in this case, it's sort of a 60-40 approach. So I think There'll be some resistance, but over time, we will find that this becomes uh, a pretty good standard bearer for, you know, a partially remote workforce. Alrighty. Um, we are at time. So, Eric, I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, like I mentioned, we're going to have all of your contact info, a link to GTM Delta if anybody wants to get involved with that as well. Um, and uh, yeah, otherwise, where I know we'll have links, but where can folks find you, Eric? Yeah, easiest place, of course, Twitter. Uh, I'm I maybe one of the last people that's going to turn the lights out on it on the way down. Uh, but uh, yeah, twitter.com slash disco posse. Go to disco posse podcast.com. Also, I have a podcast. And uh, yeah, just hit me up. Uh, reach out. It's eric at gtmdelta.com as well. So I'm always happy to connect with folks. And LinkedIn as well. I, I, I have an open LinkedIn policy. The more people that I can connect with out there and help their future, uh, the better I feel about what I'm doing today. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining me uh, this week, Eric. For folks who have not subscribed already, we are on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter once Elon lets us back on there. And also, audio hey, can I do that thing? I'm going to do the don't forget, folks, to smash that like button and uh, hit the subscribe and make sure that you hit the little bell icon so that you get notified whenever a fantastic F5 Death Central live stream goes up and you can reach all of our content. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. That saves me all of that work at this point. So thank you very much, Eric, for covering for that today. Um, and folks, we will see you all uh, next week. So bye for now. Bye.